Hi and welcome to episode 4 of the Principalities Podcast. Today's episode is Feelings Don't Care About Your Facts. Last podcast was about how sometimes you can't bring emotions down to the level of words without weakening the emotions. Today's podcast is about when emotions override what you would consider to be reality. So when I heard that there are cases in which somebody else's emotions are something that you should consider to be functionally a fact... I made me listen carefully. What he was saying was, here's how he accepts feedback on books. If someone says there's a problem with the book, they are always right. When he is writing, when you're writing a book and you get give your book out for feedback. If there is criticism, the critic is correct. If someone says how to fix the problem, then they're probably wrong because they're not a writer. But if somebody says there is something wrong with your book, and generalize that to your business plan or for me right now, my podcast, they're right. That's just going to have to be a fact. The reason for this being that when somebody complains, I didn't understand what you were saying there. You weren't clear. I think this is going to be bad for me. Then that says you did something wrong. You didn't explain. If somebody cannot understand the book, then you can't say, I wrote it perfectly, because you obviously didn't. This person is not understanding your book. If someone says, if someone emails me and it says, Aaron, thanks for your work on the podcast, but guess what? I have no clue what on earth you're thinking. You don't explain yourself very well, and you jump from topic to topic without any sort of continuous thought line, thought process, then they are obviously right because that's what happened to them. They tried to follow me, and I jumped, and they didn't see the leap. So, my fact, my, their feelings, don't particularly care about my facts, that I had a complete outline written, and it made total sense, and it was perfect, which, by the way, I didn't. I just talk for most of these. I give myself bullet points and just keep on going. But I can't go with that because, obviously, somebody was listening and didn't follow, which means I did not explain. I I didn't explain myself well enough. Or, I'm just wrong, and I wasn't making sense. Either way, he's right, and I am wrong.
a another example of this is somewhat more pertinent to the present. My wife and I just set up our investment accounts, and I was all excited. I did a bunch of research, and I found a great way to probably beat the market. The problem with this great and wonderful plan that will, if it works, outperform the market by multiple times over the next few years is that one of the requirements is if I were to put all my money into that plan, I will have at any given time probably two or three stocks. Sometimes it'll go higher, but for the most part, I'll have two or three stocks, and that is, in a sense, very obviously risky, because as everybody who has watched 20 minutes of YouTube videos understands, part of what you want to do to ensure you don't have loss, you don't have a lot of risk of losing your money, is diversify your portfolio. I am proposing a plan which has a practically no diversity, all of the money being in, at any given time, two or three different stocks, which admittedly will change throughout the year, but anyway, still, not a good idea, In if it wasn't for the fact that it was, that they're very carefully... I select them very carefully, but that doesn't mean that there's not any risk. If I have two stocks, the odds of us losing 10%, which is a nice amount, obviously, of our investment capital, is a lot higher than if I were to get a share of the S&P 500. As a matter of fact, as I pointed out to my wife, if, this, if our stuff goes down 10% on, with this plan, I'm not going to buy more. If the S&P goes down 10% in one day, I'm going to assume that something that there was some set of glitches and buy as much as possible because somebody messed up and it'll go right back up. Easy easy money. That being said, the probable returns of my of the investment plan that I'm going that I want to use are high, worth taking the risk for, and the odds of there being a problem, I do not believe, based on analysis, and I'm going to double-check backtesting with alternate software, I don't think there's going to be any major issues. So if it were up to me, I would take all of our money, and I would do that the investment plan that I'm aiming for. There's just one problem. My wife is worried about it losing money while in the markets. And I can point that graphs and anything else and everything else I can explain to her this is less likely. Doesn't matter. Emotions do not care about reality. 
I need to adjust my reality to suit em the emotions. So, instead of putting everything in this plan, assuming, obviously again, assuming that double checks, backtests using other software, hopefully, work out. I'm, we're not going to put all of our money in that plan. We're going to get a bunch of nice, secure ETFs. Internet, some international, some US, whatever. And we're going to put a, at least a third of our cash into that. And the rest, I'm free to do what I want with it. Emotions do not care about the fact that I can, that we will definitely make more money if we do it my, my way. Not relevant. Really, it doesn't matter. Emotions just care about the fact that we could lose. So I need to deal with that. Another thing that I try to remind myself about a lot is not just that there are cases where facts have to make room for feelings. There are cases where my feelings make me literally incapable of seeing the facts. There the thing that makes me extremely worried about this is while I was dating my wife, this happened actually while I was dating my wife, I had a friend whom I am no longer in touch with, who I, the primary way we would talk to each other was via text. He, English was not his first language and he just and he didn't want to talk on the phone. We couldn't meet in person, so we would text each other a lot. Lots of conversations about different stuff. The... What happened in the end, well, was... I said something which he misinterpreted and ended up accusing me of something that I found extremely egregious and just could not keep all of my temper there, resulting in a fight that we broke up on. Before that though, we had a lot of conversations in which if we'd have just let go of our emotions, we'd have understood neither of us were actually talking about the same thing as the other person. But our emotions did not let, did not let us see reality. One of the biggest misunderstandings that we had with each other about a month before I broke up with him was about, it was part of an ongoing conversation about whether or not corruption makes it easier or harder to make large amounts of money. Or that's what I thought it was about. 
looking back, what he probably thought it was about was me say, was that I thought if you're corrupt and you're just taking advantage of people, you can't make money. Which was wrong. I wasn't, not to paint myself in a great light, I spent a decent portion of that argument pointing, saying that he thought all people who made a lot of money were corrupt, which he didn't. And the way the conversation was going at one point was something along the lines of me telling him, how many of the richest people do you think are corrupt? And him telling me, that's not what I'm talking about, and me not listening. And then he would tell me, uh, yes, but there are these people who make a lot of money and they are absolutely corrupt and horrible humans. And be telling him, yeah, but what about these other people who made a lot of money? Bill Gates made a lot of money and, well, definitely, probably ruthless, but he is not what I would define as corrupt. Same for Warren Buffett. And he would be like, I don't know about those humans. I don't know who, I've never researched them. Neither of us, both of us were too blind by our, too blinded by our emotions to understand that what the other person was saying had nothing to do with what we were saying. We just weren't having the same argument. We would probably end up arguing over, is it easier or harder to make money by being corrupt and cheating, essentially. But that being said, we didn't even get up to that point because, well, it we were too emotionally charged to understand that that was what the other person, understand what the other person was saying. This is actually something that gets me very worried with my wife, which is part of why the most we text each other is reminders to do things that we agreed to do. And what time are you getting home? Or something very short like that, we barely text each other. Every, we barely even call each other. Every conversation that we have is optimally face-to-face. -face. And uh, if we're arguing and I think I'm too emotional about something that, and we need rational iron, not emotional iron, my, I, we have agreed that I will say we can that I cannot talk about this right now and we'll pick a specific time that we can because there are times where I am not emotionally able to deal with that reality. Just as an aside before I finish the episode that I just remembered, something, another time that she had to uh, give in to my emotional, to my emotions, was last week, Thursday, I have a one hour class 
in college, and we were planning on going to her, to my wife's parents for the weekend. So we packed up, and the plan was that I would go to my class, and we would go straight from my school to, straight from college to my in-laws. My wife did not really feel like hanging around on my college campus for the next hour, and she wanted to stay in the car. Bear in mind that we parked at in a very we parked the car in a decent neighborhood, and I have accidentally left my car unlocked with valuable relatively valuable stuff in it, and nothing has happened. No, but it's a very, it's a pretty safe neighborhood. I am paranoid that something is going to happen to my wife. So we had an, so my wife, being a wonderful woman, decided to Uber my paranoia and while she wasn't going to leave, she was willing to text me every 10 minutes to confirm that she was okay. Which was very nice and convenient and uh, sweet of her. Anyway, thanks for, thanks for listening. This has been Principality's podcast number four. And I hope you guys have a good week. If you like this episode of the Principalities Podcast, please subscribe and send me an email at principalities365 at gmail.com. Link in the show notes. Thanks.